This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Was live television wilder in the 1980s than any other decade? No whammies, stop. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name is Will, and hey, joining me today, as always, is my friend and my co-host, Ray. Welcome, 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 everybody. So you don't know what you're going to say till you start saying it, right? I, yeah, I don't plan yeah. anything ahead of time. Well, cool. So today we're going to be talking about um, controversial, interesting moments from 1980s television, uh, many of which happened during live events. Maybe all of them. We'll see. Let's we'll see what happens. I did no research, so. <laughs> and I did just a little bit more. <laughs> but before we do all that, let's get caught up on 80s news. So in 80s news today, got a few stories that we can touch base on. Uh, and in no particular order. So, hey, this first thing you made me aware of, I thought this was a pretty cool story. Previously unpublished photos of punk rock bands, including Black Flag, Descendants, Minor Threat, are going to be featured in a new exhibit in Los Angeles. So the story goes that there was a fella, and I'm getting this story from the from dailybreeze.com. I'm not familiar with that publication, but Michael Hickson, the writer, provides us with this info, that there was a gentleman named Kevin Salk, who back in the heyday of the of punk rock in the 1980s, as a young person, would uh, take photographs of, at these performances. Uh, and he became friendly with these groups by, as he says, stalking them. Yeah, that's what you do at punk shows. And uh, basically, he had a camera. Yeah, he did. And wanted to get into shows for free. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'll take your picture if you let me in for free. Yeah. And his punk bands go, they go, oh, that's cool. But they never go, how do I get these pictures? <laughs> well, maybe that, yes, because so. the story goes on to say that these photos that he took, the reason why they'd never been published or seen a part of an exhibit before now is because they weren't, had never been developed until <laughs> yeah. recently. I think it was just uh, a year or so ago that he actually developed these negatives that he had because he remembered, he, he, he suddenly recalled, wait a second, I got all those negatives from when I took those pictures. And they turn out to be pretty cool. There's some examples you can see on, on Daily Breeze if you check that out. Or if you want to go see the exhibit, it starts January 11th in Los Angeles at the Fathom Gallery and runs through the rest of the month. But um, it's pretty cool. And at first, um, it, until I read the story, I was like, how did this guy get so close? He's got these, you know, he's pretty close to Henry Rollins and uh, I think it was lead singer of, of Minor, Minor Threat. Threat. And I yeah. thought, geez, at a punk rock show, I think if you stuck a camera in a guy's face like that, you might not get your face back. Nah, even punk rockers like getting oh. their picture taken. Mm. Well, this guy, um, Kevin Sock, described himself as a, I think he said an afternoon punk rocker, where during the day <laughs> he would be dressed like a straight, and then, you know, come the evening time, he would put on his uh, punk rock uh, attire. Yeah, jam a safety pin through his nose and head off to the show. Yeah, but seeing how close he got to these folks, I mean, geez, I would imagine you would have loved that opportunity. Yeah, that would have been awesome to be able to do that. Just to get that close to those guys. Yeah. To your point earlier, saying, um, you know, you just offer this to the punk rock group and they'll snatch it up because, hey, it's free f- photographs. Um, he said he was uh, just driving back and forth until someone came out of the Black Flag headquarters and he went up to them and showed them some pictures and said, hey, can I do more of these? Let me in. And they gave him a behind the scenes look. Yep. Probably just gave him a Black Flag t shirt and said, come on in. <laughs> 
I, we're with the band. <laughs> That's how you get in those things, right? Yeah. That's what the Beastie Boys videos taught me. Okay, hey, in other 80s news, at this point, I don't think I want to see any He-Man anything. I was really excited about these He-Man, He-Man being rebooted. Now yeah. there's like another. So Netflix and Mattel have announced that they're now going to do a, a CG animated adventure that will be He-Man in the Masters of the Universe. And that this is in addition to the 2D animation one that Kevin Smith's the showrunner. Mm-hmm. And it, this is in addition to the feature film that they're doing. Yeah. Which is in addition to a toy line that we'll see later in the fall of this year. Well, here's what I can say about this. Hopefully at least one of these things <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> the odds are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a very optimistic way of looking at it. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Because I was very excited about He-Man until I read yet another one. But yeah, one's got to yeah. be good. One of them's got to be good. Unless one of the same guys in charge or gals in charge of all of these. Well, that guy is uh, going to make some money then because the toy line will do good. Yes. Or will be out of Hollywood, like driven out of Hollywood. Well, even Ryan Johnson's still in Hollywood. Although, whether he's doing Star Wars again is... Yeah, but he's still making grounds. movies. So you can screw He-Man up all you want. Hey. Like you, you will still be in Hollywood. I've said this now. I think this is the third episode I've said it on. Knives Out is a good movie. Yeah, you've said that. Okay, in other 80s news, hey, this is just an article that came out January 7th. For some people, for us, that's today. Yeah. For you, that's the, <laughs> that's the recent past. The article is in the Colombian.com, but it's everywhere because it's an article that was written by Associated Press author, writer, Kim Cook. And it says, feeling groovy, it's that 70s and 80s show in home decor. And this article goes on to talk about how, hey, you know that fashion style that's been coming around again, which supposedly comes around every 20 years, 70s and 80s is still, look, you've got a, a, a tracksuit on. Yeah. You look, you're halfway dressed like Overrun or DMC in the 1980s. <laughs> I want to get an Adidas jacket like that, by the way. Yeah. I, I wear this one all the time because it's so comfy. Yeah. But it's and it's just very hip, you know. You have a maybe a VW medallion or something, and you'd be mm. all set. But this goes on to say that this resurgence of these old styles are now invading our homes in the form of different decor, including wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And they they go on to explain about how um, you know these sort of uh, the 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 geometric designs of wallpaper that was popular in the seventies and eighties was known as the Memphis style that was uh, created by an Austrian. Austrian-born, but Italian-raised architect, Ettore Sotus. Close Sotus? enough. Uh, I'm sorry, Ettore. <laughs> <laughs> you might not even know I was referring to you because I've butchered your name so badly. In any case, this he's, is a... He's good. probably going to sue the person that you're <laughs> saying because he doesn't realize it's him. Sorry, Kim Cook. Bull, bull. <laughs> if your name was bull. But, but this is exciting for lots of reasons. One, because, hey, again, our thesis here is that the 80s is amazing, you know, your decade stinks. Showing again, this is another opportunity to show objectively that the, the longevity, or you knew I was going to say that, mm-hmm. of, of the longevity of the 80s style, fashion, pop culture, etc. Mm-hmm. And because we have our own geometric design on a wallpaper that's very 80s style in our rumpus room here. And wood grain paneling. And wood grain paneling, yeah. Mm-hmm. So run out and get your 80s style wallpaper. Don't delay. <laughs> try, to, try to win that argument with your spouse <laughs> or partner. Okay, in other 80s news, hey, Pat Sajak has unfortunately had some health issues in December. Um, you know, he's been hosting the Wheel of Fortune now since 1981. And for the first time in December now, as a result, Vanna White has stepped up for ho- to hosting duties. No. Yeah. His daughter. 
Well, well, his daughter. Well, okay. Vanna White oh, started. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Vanna White's going to pretend to be the host. Yes. And his daughter, what's her name? Maggie. Yes. Maggie is going to step in and do the touchy thing. That's right. So for yeah. I think it's for three weeks in December. In December, uh, Vanna White has been doing it, and um, I don't know if Maggie was doing the the the, the as the, he calls it the letter being was being the letter toucher. Yeah, the touchy thing, yeah. Which, and I think in some states that'll get you 10 to 15 if you're a letter toucher. <laughs> I guess it depends on which letter you touch. If you touch the M, you're okay. Mm. If you touch the D, that's bad. I have no idea. When you're talking about the M, it's going to take me a while to figure that out. I'm going to think about M words that maybe are inspiring you. But you're right. So, yeah, Vanna White stepped up into do her, as as Pat Sajak said, his, uh, she did her her. her best pat impression while his daughter stepped in to be the special letter toucher end quote <laughs> and you were pointing out to me earlier and i didn't realize that because i haven't watched in years but there's no physical need to you know spin the letters or manipulate the letters anymore because they're all like ipads on a wall or something yeah, i think they're like cg now hmm. they basically just glow and she just kind of walks by them when they first did it she would actually touch them yeah and now she just kind of olays that thing <laughs> Ole. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's like pretending to use telekinesis. Yeah, she's like fifty thousand dollars for that wave. <laughs> well, and of course they would never think of letting her go. No, because I can see people just tearing the seats out of that theater. <laughs> yeah, while Pat's there, as soon as he gets back from his health <laughs> issues, they tear that place up. Okay, so that's that, and that was eighties news. Dun 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 dun. Ack. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about some interesting things. I don't want to say controversial necessarily, although some of them are like that, but some of them are just weird, different things that happened on 1980s television, and most of them happened, if not all of them, live. Yeah, some of them were recorded live, and then, you know what I mean. I'm not talking about uh, scripted shows. You mean recorded live before a studio audience? Mm, not necessarily, but sort of, maybe. Um, so, <laughs> so there, you know, we could do a whole episode on, like... Uh, you know, sitcoms or other TV shows, scripted shows that had weird scenes or endings or controversial moments? Well, yeah, I, I think we're going to do one about, um, was the 80s the most fun TV shows coming ah. up here very soon? Oh, yeah. Oh, that could have been almost been 80s news. Mm. If, I, if you're talking about what I think you're talking That's about. That's what I'm talking about. Hmm. We can't tell you yet, but... I think we could say this, and I think we should start teasing it a little bit. Oh, should we tease it a could little bit? Could we say something, and on the Facebook page and elsewhere, we should start teasing it. But could we say at least this? We were going to be speaking with a 1980s television icon very soon, mm-hmm. so well-known that if we named the show, you'd have a 50% chance of get of knowing who the guest was going to be. Mm-hmm. If we said anything as a clue, they would know who it is. Yeah. Well, they might think it's the other one. <laughs> that might be too much already. All right. Well, we're, right. we're very excited. It's, about yeah, it. it's super cool, and it's coming. So yeah. So yeah. So we're not talking about scripted shows. We're talking about live shows, and you'll get the vibe pretty quickly. And I wish I had thought of a game to turn this into because that make it more more interesting. Well, you should do like I did on the one we just recorded. <laughs> I'm just going to say it for YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't actually make it a game until like when I sat down. I was like, hey, you know what? This would make a great game. Well, if these all had something in common, I would do that. Maybe I'll just say that anyway. With someone arrested, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. And if you watch the video, you'll know what I'm talking about. So the first story I'll bring to you is 1985. Good year. The news program 2020 is doing a story on pro wrestling. Nice. On the WWF. So they send uh, intrepid, 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 intrepid reporter John Stossel to uh, interview a number of wrestlers, including Hulk Hogan. Now, Hulk Hogan and the rest of the gang 
uh, believe that they are uh, that Stossel's doing a segment on how on Hulkamania and how wild and crazy you know uh, wildly popular the wrestling phenomena has become. But very quickly they start realizing that Stossel's focusing on whether or not wrestling is fake. Yeah, that guy did a lot of mean things in his television career. Oh, um, I'm not a fan of his. Try, you know, I there I know there was something else that was controversial. I can't think of what it is with John. It was more recent in the last. I don't know what recent twenty years. You know, what you know that all blurs together. That's, that's past eighty nine, so I'm not interested. Yeah. You know, nothing good happens to anybody after nineteen eighty nine. That's right. Determine that. That's right. So, folks, uh, so he he shows up to this. You know, they have a, an event going on, and uh, uh, they're expecting him again to interview the wrestlers about Hulkamania and that sort of the, the phenomenon of how popular wrestling is becoming. Because it's nineteen eighty five now, right? Everybody's a wrestling fan. I'm getting some of this from Hulk's uh, biography here, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and he said that. Um, then he gets asked by John Stossel, is it true that wrestlers use razor blades to cut themselves? And Hogan, in his biography, says, quote, it was true, but in those days, we didn't admit it. So instead, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Then he goes backstage and says to Vince, uh, warning, this guy's not here to talk about Hulkamania. <laughs> he's doing, he's trying to do some kind of expose on, you know, what, what's going on with wrestling. So they go on sort of lockdown. They make sure that um, when Stossel comes back later that night during the actual fights, they make sure they keep the bad guys separate from the good guys because obviously yeah. if they were together, like they hang out because they do hang out in the background. Yeah, if they're hanging out in the back drinking beer together, yeah, it's, which it's going to ruin the story. They did, and I learned some of this from Honky Tonk Man when I talked to him a couple of months ago. But they, he said, we're going to make sure they're separate. They kept them one. There's a dressing room on the north end of the you know arena, and there's a south end. They would keep them apart. So that's one thing they did. So. Um, when he comes back, uh, he starts talking to the wrestlers again, and one particular wrestler, wrestler uh, David Schultz, who was known as Dr. D, I don't remember Dr. D except for knowing this story. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remember him being a big wrestler, but apparently he was very popular at the time. Do you remember Dr. I D? I do not remember Dr. D, yeah. but that's probably why the rest of the story, why they made him go do whatever he's about to do. <laughs> yes. So Dr. D gets approached by Stossel and immediately is hostile. And this video is online. You can find this. He's immediately hostile. You know, hey... He says to him something about what makes uh, why do why do you like wrestling? And he says because it's you know tough guys, not like you, Stossel. I'm not like a wimp like your cameraman. You know, not soft people, <laughs> tough guys. And uh, he says to Stossel, "You got any more questions for me?" He's like, "Well, I, I don't know. Is it going to be like this? You're going to be you know hostile to me?" And he says, uh, "Got any more questions?" He says, "Well, I could ask you sort of the routine question I've been asking everybody." And he said, "Well, what do you think about wrestling?" And Stossel says, "I think it's fake." And Schultz, Dr. D, immediately, open hand, slaps him across the face, bringing him down <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> you know, just, he just crumbles under Dr. D's feet. And as soon as he stands, and he says, hovering over, sh- sh- do you remember what he says to Stossel? I'm assuming he says, did that feel real? <laughs> yeah, essentially says, is that fake? And as soon as Stossel stands back up again, he slaps the other cheek. <laughs> and Stossel crumbles again. This time when he scrambles to his feet, he has the good sense to run away, and the nice. camera crew and everybody follow. Years later, and, and, and so and recently, we find, according to Schultz, he, he's now since said in, uh, in 2018, he said that Vince told him, as soon as, so Hulk gives the warning, mm-hmm. this guy's coming back to find out if wrestling's fake, Vince calls Schultz in and says, I need you to stay in character as Dr. D and be rough on this guy. He mm-hmm. takes this as a clue to rough up Stossel. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would have thought, too. <laughs> and that's what happens. And so um, 
And immediately when he gets slapped, according to Schultz again, he says that Vince, I'm sorry, after Stossel gets slapped, Vince tells him, they're calling the cops. You need to get out of here. Go to the hotel. (laughs) Don't come out till tomorrow. Meet me in my office. Mm -hmm. And Schultz said when he went back to see Vince the next day, uh, Vince said, good job. (laughs) Yeah, I go, not arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even have to ask you. You know, I don't think so there's no talk about him having been arrested but what did happen is years later Stossel sued um, saying that he had suffered permanent hearing loss in the ear that he got slapped Schultz said I didn't slap him in the ear and even Mm -hmm. in this 2018 video he says you can see in the video I I hit his cheek I saw the video when he hits him on the one side you can't really see where his hand is Hogan according to his biography says I was there I I would be deaf too if I got hit the way that Stossel did, he seemed to imply that he did get hit in the ear. Ultimately, they wound up settling, and Stossel won $425,000 in the settlement. But I don't think anybody was arrested. And that's how these stories usually end. I know when I spoke to Honky Tonk Man, this story was on my mind. I don't yeah. know if I remember I told you. No, you didn't tell me that. This story was on my mind because I knew, look, it's been a long time. It's been out for a long time that wrestling is fake. What? I'm sorry to break it to you. Just like you say on the show, you had 30 years to find out, but it's been out for a while. You know, they switched, what, to entertainment, WWE Entertainment, not only to avoid the Panda organization that saves the wildlife, and I make light of it, but... Honky Tonk explained to us why they changed it to entertainment when we talked to him, when you talked to him. Well, yes, a couple of reasons. Yes, you're right. Go back and listen to that episode if you want to know why. Right, but it's not, it's it's for lots of reasons, including, including what Honky Tonk says. But I was, because of this story... And because Honky Tonk Man has the name Honky Tonk, mm-hmm. and I know he's a serious Southern gentleman, yeah. I thought if I say, is wrestling, you know, how did you feel about, you know, wrestling being fake? And I referred to an article that was talking about how the, once they revealed f- wrestling was fake, the sort of ratings went down. I thought I might get slapped. I, I thought it was a possibility. He turned out to be a sweet Southern gentleman, you know, mm-hmm. super nice guy. Well, the wrestling's not fake. Yes, the, 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 you're right. The outcomes are predetermined. The outcomes and all the corny yapping is fake but yes they, they do wrestle and they do throw punches and kicks and everything else so there is a physical aspect to it that is real and when you say that you make me realize that david schultz wasn't his slap that's real he made the point look he didn't lie <laughs> now ask ask rick flair how those razor blades felt on his head yeah all right so that's that so okay this was uh, one that was controversial at the time mtv's first mtv awards in 1984 mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. controversial come to mind about that is this the madonna year with the dress yes rolling it, around it is the madonna year with the dress yeah so uh, you know for folks who don't know you should go and look it up but Madonna danced to uh, Like a Virgin, which mm-hmm. was her you know, album of the same name had come out. You should check out the video if you don't know, but ultimately she, she appears at the top of a cake and comes down the cake and ultimately seems to be writhing on the, on the floor and you know, rolling around. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you, can, you can see her underwear at some, at some point. You know, all these things happen. Yep. These still seem silly to kids today, right? But this was a huge scandal at the time. Like, you know, hide your women and children kind of thing. Yeah, this was as every high school kid in their bedroom was like, uh-oh, got to run downstairs. MTV's playing something I need to see. <laughs> Record. Yeah, so I need to be alone with MTV right now, Mom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, parents were, you know, and older people were upset. But this was billed as being, you know, not your parents type of award show, and it, it wasn't. So this type of scandal today would be like, you know, it wouldn't be a scandal. I mean, you see yeah. what they're doing today. Yeah, this, this is silly compared to today's. 
nonsense. What? So I bring this up, not only to point out that story, but at, there's some things that I learned that were interesting. And, and Madonna revealed these things uh, just a few years ago. I think it was in 2016, uh, doing a series of interviews, including um, uh, one with, um, actually not 2016, it was 2012, with um, Jay Leno. Um, it turns out that her rolling around on the floor was a mistake. She had fallen. So mm-hmm. the way she described it, she came down from the cake. One of her stiletto heels broke or came undone and she fell and you see her first go to the floor at the beginning in her mm-hmm. mind she thinks i just got to make it look like this is part of the show to save face so and that's what she came up with i i believe it and then she gets up and dances and then mm-hmm. she says you know if she returns to the floor thing and just starts you know since that was sort of how it you know began she said she had no idea you could see her underwear you know you no idea what it was sort of looking like I believe it. There's no reason for her to lie about it now. Well, I, I would say, yeah, because I do that on the show all the time. I wing it, and I just yeah. say things. So she, she's winging it. Yeah. So your underwear falls out. Yeah. You're, you don't have pants on right now. Yeah. Who needs pants for a podcast? Why don't you have pants on? I thought also was interesting to find out was MTV said um, that she first wanted to appear with the Bengal tiger on the show, and they said, absolutely not. She was probably jealous of Tyson and his tiger. Well, let's see. This would have been 84. I don't know if he had a tiger yet. Uh, he was probably talking about it, though. Hmm. He'd probably been talking about it for years. <laughs> when he was in that home. <laughs> what are you talking about? You want a tiger? And of course, you know, immediately following this, because it's so scandalous, her, even her manager and other folks in her circle said, you're done. I mean, your career is over. And of course, the opposite happened. Well, because, you know, she was popular around, uh, among people our age. And, yes. we, and, we, <laughs> and we weren't put off by this. It made her a huge success. Not arrested. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Was she arrested? She, no, she, she was, was not, not arrested for she that. She was not arrested. You're right. Okay, so here's another one. Um, and I, I'm sure you remember this. April 21st, 1986. No, you still don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember. April 21st. April 21st. I like how you're, you look earnest, like you're really trying to remember. Like, all right, so. 1986. So like 14 mm-hmm. years old. Okay, so uh, at 7 p.m. Central Time, we had Geraldo Rivera unlocking the mysteries of Al Capone's uh, vault. Yeah, that was a great show yeah. until the end. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I had? So, what folks don't remember is, um, and, and, I learned uh, some of this story from uh, an article that was in uh, Mental Floss in 2016, from, uh, which features uh, an interview with the producers and with Geraldo, was um, the producers had found out about this possible vault, you know, a, a couple of years earlier, or a year earlier before this became a show, and thought, what can we do with this? This is like the coolest thing, you know? There may be a vault for Al Capone, uh, you know, uh, under what, his, his hotel in Chicago. Mm-hmm. What can we do with this? So they came up with this idea, ultimately, that went to Geraldo, you know, of opening it live on air. Yes. I remember this very clearly. Yes. Did you watch it live? We did. Me and my two brothers, who, yeah. as you know, are just like me, <laughs> we were watching this thing live. Yeah. And as you very well know, when they opened the vault, yeah. there was nothing in it. Yeah. Nope. And, well, uh, yeah. It wasn't even a vault, I think. And, and the expression on Geraldo's face, <laughs> we, were, we went dead silent for two yeah. seconds. And yeah. then we all busted out <laughs> laughing oh, you're so, so hard. So cruel. Your family, your entire family. It's a top-down problem over there since you're the oldest. Yeah. But you're right. Um, the, the, after, you know, months of planning, I think they had six months to pull it off, getting the right permits, figuring out how to excavate underneath a, a sidewalk in Chicago and not kill anybody. Because one of the concerns was the sidewalk might collapse. So they had to take all these different precautions. They had to fit a small bulldozer into, <laughs> under the street. They had to take it apart and put it back together. After all this work, 
Dynamite Blasts, uh, a show that, you're right, Geraldo stalled for basically 90 minutes to get to this mm-hmm. point, including, I didn't re- remember this, shooting off some Tommy guns. I didn't remember <laughs> that. That had to be more entertaining than what happened. Finally, they get to this wall that they're convinced behind it is a vault of some kind. They weren't able to see if there was any objects, you know, using, they used all the technology available, including ultrasound and radar, mm-hmm. sonar, all these different things. They finally break through this cement wall and they find dirt. Yep. <laughs> it's just the sidewalk above, like part of the street and a bunch of dirt. And ultimately, and one of the guys there is an expert to, you know... Uh, On dirt. <laughs> <laughs> he's an expert for whatever they might find. Yeah. They find two bottles like two glass bottles, and they, they call the guy over, and they say, hey, you're an expert. <laughs> Examine these. And he determines they're actually, one of the bottles is from the 1940s, probably from 1948, and was from workers, you know, mm-hmm. a couple decades after Al Capone was, you know, even there. So, yeah, but you're right. They <laughs> described this as Geraldo being on a milk crate, sitting on a milk crate, all sullen, mm-hmm. forlorn, um, figuring that, you know, his career is just done at yeah. this point. They said that they still had 90 seconds left, I think it was, of the show left after they found nothing. So Geraldo just started singing. I didn't remember that. And we kept laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you were laughing the whole time, I'm sure. Um, but ultimately, just like the Madonna story, although this seemed like it was probably going to be a disaster, it had higher ratings than they expected. They expected they were going to get a 20 share, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know much about that, except that's a lot. Uh, and they wound up getting a th- finding out the next day that they had gotten a 35 share. So a huge success. Um, I don't know that Geraldo went on to do anything as memorable. Um, the only other thing he did was uh, get hit with a chair <laughs> yes. by the skinheads. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was thinking about doing that too, but you could, you know, two stories of Geraldo is probably two, one too many. I don't know. That's a good one, but we're going to save, we're going to yeah, we'll call do it a, a teaser. We'll do a, a, a phase two. I might throw that into one of my shows for when I do stories because that's a good one. Yeah. And I tell it very well because it's oh. so hilarious. Okay, good. Yeah, I haven't heard you tell that one. So Yeah, that's one I haven't told yet. So very cool. Okay, so here's a story I had never heard before. but And I've actually got two stories like this, but I'll certainly at least tell you one. So everybody knows who Max Headroom is, right? If you listen to this show, you certainly... Should if you don't, <laughs> if you don't, I'm not going to get hostile. You know, you get hostile during these things. But um, in 1985, Max Headroom was a, a fictional character who had a a TV movie, and then you know became a spokesman for Coca Cola and was on MTV. And you know, it was an actor, Matt Frewer, who was made up to look like um, like he was uh, computerized com- image. Yeah, right. And they did some effects to make him seem glitchy and. Uh, make his voice sound a little different, and he was supposed to be from the future or something. I think the movie was a f- if, like a sort of a sort of post-apocalyptic sort of you know TV-dominated society or something like that. In any case, in, in 1987, two Chicago TV stations were hijacked, and the signal was replaced with an image of Max Headroom uh, in a costume. Before they could uh, sh- shut the signal down, this went on for about a minute and a half. The uh, perpetrator ranted about uh, the mass media, uh, and at the very end of th- this transmission, pulled down his pants <laughs> and was swatted in the mind by, they believe, a woman holding a fly swatter. Uh, the, the worst part about this story is that I've actually heard this story. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is that bad? Just, uh, I don't know. I don't even remember where I heard this story. Probably mm. YouTube, you know, yep. when you start going down the rabbit hole. Yes. And uh, I remember this um, story. That's a strange one. Because I don't think they ever figured this one out. You're right, and um, they never, yeah, they never found out who the guy was who did this. 
Um, and in researching this story, I learned that there was another story where someone had hijacked uh, an HBO signal and broke into it before this one. And he was actually, I, I point that out only, only to say that he was caught because they were able to narrow it down to the fact that in order to be able to do this, you had to be a person who had access to a giant satellite dish <laughs> and certain technology that only a person selling satellites yeah. <laughs> worked for the company. Mm. And this guy did. And in any case, you're right. The guy who, the Max, the Max Headroom, who was actually seen drinking a Pepsi in his video, so mm-hmm. you knew he was a fake right away. Yeah. Uh, he was never caught. They never figured that one out. Well, if he's out there somewhere, give us, a, oh. give us a, a message on the old email. We'd love to have you on the show. If you can prove it was you. Yeah. That would, yeah. Oh, yeah. How would they do that? We'd have to examine their buttocks. Well, we'd have to, yeah, fly yeah. swatter marks. They're like, get to it. Okay. So, and this may be very well be our final story here. I've got others, but this is, we've been talking for a while now. This is one you probably remember. <laughs> so, uh, the, the TV show, uh, Press Your Luck returned for the first time, uh, just last summer, mm-hmm. you know, so in, in, in 2019, hosted now by, uh, Elizabeth Banks. I don't know if it's still on or it's going to be back. It's probably a short-lived gimmicky, gimmicky kind of thing. No idea. But if you remember, Press Your Luck was the show where you got what? You had to avoid getting, uh, remember what it was called? Uh, what was that? Big Money No Whammies? Yes. Big Money s- Stop. Big Money No Whammies. Big Money No Whammies. Stop. No Whammies. No Whammies. Stop. So you had to, there was a series of, you had to ask questions to be able to make it to this opportunity to win a prize. And then a number of different prizes that are available to you and a seemingly random pattern that they were highlighted you had to press a button to try to get something good and avoid the whammies. Yes, there was TV screens in a big, um, around the edge of the thing. Yes. And uh, the little images would go beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, and everybody would yell, big money, no whammy, big money, no whammy. And then you'd slam the thing, and yep. then well, hopefully you, would, you got prizes. Yeah, although, if you remember, I always liked when they got a whammy, because oh, yeah. they had that little animation where the cartoon whammy would come out mm-hmm. and do something to your money. Yep. Usually, yeah, blow it up or something. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you got a whammy, whatever you had earned gets wiped out. You just go down to zero. Uh, in any case, um, this story is about um, Michael Paul La- La- Larson. Michael P- Paul La- Larson. Sorry, Michael Paul Larson. Why am I having a problem with that? Let's just call him Mike Larson. So this is a story about Mike. That's what Ray would do. Mike Larson, who appears on the show, and he's got he's, he's competing against two other contestants because it's a three-person show, and very quickly, after flubbing his first crack at the Noamis and getting his money wiped out to zero, after that, he starts to perform with like, you know, prodigy-like uh, accuracy. Mm-hmm. Like a surgeon. Like a surgeon. Is this a re- reference back to... I'm, I'm referencing the Weird Al wow. um, this is a ver- parody of the Madonna song we just yeah, talked about. Yeah, this is an 80s... Uh, segue that you mean you really got to have me in the right yeah, it's a cornucopia of 80s fun headspace to do this but uh so michael larson appears and again he's just nailing it he's avoiding the whammies he's getting all the prizes and he's he's locking out essentially his opponents mm-hmm. who don't stand a chance against this guy uh and in, in an article that came out um uh, last year when um in connection with the uh, the new show airing they had uh, interviewed and this is something uh, an article by Mike, michael star for um I don't know, something. I don't know. <laughs> Michael Starr. Also the Whatever. the name of the lead singer of Steel Panther. Okay, so Steel Panther is Michael Starr <laughs> on June 10th, 2019, uh, did an article. So that's where I'm getting. I'm trying to give you credit, buddy. I just can't, I can't see where you're, you're, what uh, publication this is from. In any case, they had uh, spoken with some of his contest, uh, our partners, or partners, opponents rather, who pointed out that 
it was mind-blowing, you know, essentially that uh, they, they, they were so mystified by the fact that this guy was trouncing them. They, mm-hmm. the, one, one of the, woman, uh, the one woman that he was competing against thought it might have been a prank show, like Candy Camera, that it just couldn't be. Mm. And the host, um, whose name was, I believe it was Peter Tamarkin? Peter Tamarkin was flabbergasted. Apparently he was dumbfounded. <laughs> he didn't know what to say. Uh, ultimately, he went on, uh, Michael Larson went on to win $110,000, which was a huge prize because at the time, um, you know, the shows with the big prizes were like Pyramid, which mm. was like twenty five grand, you know, $25,000 Pyramid. So to win that amount of money, it was a lot. Apparently, though, he, Michael Larson, after winning this amount of money, made no secret about how he went about it. He well, was, yeah. He freely admitted it. He did not break any laws, did he? No. Do you remember what he did? I know what he did. Was he arrested? <laughs> he was not arrested. That's right. Because he memorized the patterns. Right. So this is the era of VCRs or, you know, something everybody can have in their home, essentially for a reasonable price. He recorded the show and for a year practiced mm-hmm. studying it, studying the pattern of what was seemed like random, you know, a selection of these prizes wasn't random at all. And so he had a method for, and they described it as a two-hand, there's a documentary on it, where he had a method for actually having his two hands available to hit the button, whereas almost everybody else uses one hand. So he mm-hmm. could really make sure he nailed it at the right moment yep. to get the prize. So you're right. He didn't get arrested, but did he get to keep the money? Um, he should have. Yes, and he did. Yeah, ultimately the game show said, you know, we were thinking we just wouldn't pay him. But then they realized he didn't break any rules. No, he beat the system. Yeah. It's like uh, when you break into the lottery office and get the numbers that they're going to use. Hmm. I think your analogy is going to go off the rails pretty quickly. Well, let's just say if the lottery was fixed and you broke in and got the numbers okay. and won, they still got to pay you even though they rigged it. Hmm. If they rigged it. Because they were too lazy to make the pattern random. This is like a bar, like a bar exam type level question eh. with so many different uh, con- legal considerations. I'm just going to say, I think that's wrong (laughs) (laughs) because you're breaking the law. But in any case, this guy uh, didn't break any laws. He didn't break any rules. Unfortunately, his uh, success, you know, didn't last very long because uh, in the years following uh, Pressure Luck, he lost most of his money in a succession of get-rich-quick schemes. And he died ultimately in 99 uh, from throat cancer. What year? 1999. Yeah, nothing good happens to anyone right, after 1989. Yeah, and at the time he died, he was being investigated by the SEC, the FBI, and the IRS. Huh. So it seemed like he, he, whatever he was into, either before or after this, you know, he needed the money. He had to pay somebody off. Generally, when I tell the stories about these people, I leave off the horrible things that happened to them. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because <laughs> you'll notice absent from these stories or any of the bad things that happened live on TV that were horrible. And there was plenty. Oh, I'm sure. There might have been as many or if not more bad things that happened on live television in the 80s. Hmm. In any case, that's that. So uh, do you think we proved anything today? Well, you know, much like, well, this is not my job to say this. I want to hear your opinion. Well, I was going to say, you know, and I'm almost checking channel you now at this point. But I'm thinking about what you said about football. My football was better in the 80s because I was Mm -hmm. listening to that episode recently. Was that it was freer. It was looser. There was a sense that it was more opportunity to do more things and experiment and get away with more things. I don't want to say Wild West because, I mean, it could be Wild West in that sense. Today, things are, uh, we have it both ways. The Madonna story wouldn't be controversial, but mm. there would be something else that, you know, people will quickly lock down. Yeah. So, you know, you, can, you, you, and you wouldn't have your uh, 
I'm trying to think now. Your Cardi B or your um, Billy Eilish, <laughs> <laughs> Billy Eilish, or, or no, no, no. The um, jeez, uh, um, I could, I could picture her. Uh, uh, oh, Nicki Minaj. You, uh, you yeah. wouldn't have these folks or Miley Cyrus on the MTV Music Awards was, you know, did something with Robin Thicke was scandalous. You wouldn't have those folks if you didn't have Madonna. So much like you say, it was an opportunity for more to be more free and open that led to many of the artists that we have today. So we have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt yes. that 80s TV was better because oh. it was loosey-goosey. I couldn't have said it better myself as, as I proved just a moment <laughs> ago. Uh, and we will talk to you next time on The Idiot. See ya. See ya.